Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Ian Graham is because Ian was our house band for the last four hours of our 12-hour marathon on February 29th, 2020. Ian has been on this show. He's in the top 10 of appearances on the show. He's been in the part of the house band on and off for, oh my, it might be a decade in Washington, D.C. because it's 2021 now. And Ian's a friend. Ian is the most accomplished skateboarder right now, and that's not a joke, and he's very, very good, and I, I love his stuff at Fair Games, so great designs. Even if you don't skate, I wear their shirts, but maybe that's sacrilegious. I should ask him about that, but I, I probably won't. Anyways, we now have a Patreon account. Please consider donating at youmethemeverybody.com. The link to donate is in this podcast description and on our About page. Here's the show. You are one of the few people that had plans to see me in person in 2021, but weather prevented that. Do you think we'll be able to see each other in 2021 in person? Yes, I think we will. Yeah, I do too. Do you think that if we recorded yeah. this on March 1st, you would have said that? Uh, yes. Okay. I would have said it would have been later in 2021, mm -hmm. but I think that things have been moving pretty quickly on the vaccine front. And yeah. Yeah. We are recording this on Friday, March 12th, and the last time I saw you, the same, probably the last time I saw the majority of people uh, that have been on this month of shows was on February 29th, 2020. It was our last live show of the year, and you were kind enough to be the house band for four hours of that show. And <laughs> yep. looking back, it seems like that should have been something I, I might have enjoyed doing like weekly <laughs> instead of <laughs> once a year because um, knowing what we what our last year has been in a weird way, this revisiting this with everyone has given me some sort of solace. Um, so I guess the question is, have you kept in touch with loose acquaintances the same way you would have, if the world was open? Yeah. Um, part of it is running fair game skateboards mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. marketing primarily on Instagram. So a lot of, you know, my, casual acquaintances especially in in baltimore are in the skate community so a lot of the people that i i follow and who follow me and i interact with on instagram are kind of some of those loose acquaintances uh you know like i haven't been awesome at keeping in touch with a lot of people you know like i shit we haven't talked all that much yeah uh, we've we did one podcast and then we've been just texting and emailing for like the last nine months right and that's kind of, I guess that's kind of how it's been with most people. Like mm -hmm. my, even like my mom, dad, my brother, uh, you know, it's been mostly texting, email. But those Instagram folks are people. in where, Montana? Uh, my dad's in Montana. My brother and mom are in Boise. Yeah, that's not close though. That, you're in Baltimore. Oh, that's yeah. not an easy commute. And <laughs> no, I'm a, have you flown since the pandemic? No, um, we're actually, Lisa and I are going to be flying in May for my brother's wedding. And, and that will be the first time we've done any like real traveling since last year. Um, you don't have a kid? Nope. Would you have booked those tickets if you had a kid? That is a good question. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Do you think you'll be know. vaccinated by the time you get on that flight? Yes. Yeah, I do too. That makes me feel really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it, you know, things seem to be moving quickly and, um, 
yeah. But. Does anyone in your circle not want a vaccine? I think there are some people I could see like I could see maybe like my stepmom and my dad being okay. they're kind of in that weird new like uh holistic alternative like mm, yeah like the crunchy granola shit that now for some reason is also like right in line with like the the bug out bag survival kit by gold conservative marketing audience are they part of the buy gold dig yourself out of the shit twin peaks conservative or are they still (laughs) like the tacoma maryland tacoma washington uh uh, hippie granola um they are closer to dig yourself out of the shit so are they do they believe in on the mountain kind of thing yeah are they part of QAnon? no i had a uh a long discussion with my dad about that because he is so like, you know, what 30 plus years deep into, you know, listening to Rush Limbaugh, listening to Hannity. We used to listen to like Hannity and Combs on the radio and Mm -hmm. shit. Like, you know, we listened to fucking G Gordon Liddy's radio show before I put together that he was one of the like Watergate guys who went to jail. Yeah. So I think he's just a little more like, I don't know that he ever like wholesale bought in. Like when we talked in like December, he was kind of laughing at the idea of people donating money to Donald Trump. He's like, isn't the guy a fucking billionaire? Like, why does he need any of our money? Like, don't give him your money. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he was kind of like, you know, the sort of like, uh, tiptoeing around like whether he took Q seriously. Sure. Um, did you guys uh, talk about January 6th at all? Only a little bit. Um, not, not directly. Okay. Yet. Is he, I'm assuming he's going to be at the wedding in May. He will not be. Okay, cool. He Uh, and my brother are not, uh, speaking. Do you think that's for the best? Uh, I've been getting used to the idea that he and my brother's relationship and mine and his relationship can be completely separate and not, yeah. So it's, I think it's for the best for Ben, for my brother. Uh, you know, just, I think they've had, they've had a lot of conflicts that are, you know, that I was over here on the East coast and they were out west. And, yeah, you know, I have I have no idea, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Distance helps, but me. yeah, and it uh, it kind of came to the head this year because um, because of coronavirus. Uh, my brother's fiance is Asian American, so he was raising a lot of points like, "Hey, it's kind of fucked up that President Trump keeps kind of encouraging the racists to be racist against people, including my fiance," and I think that. It, I think that if it were phrased the right way, if it were like presented in a certain way to my dad, he would understand it. But he and my brother's like communication dynamic is so like years of fighting and bickering over stuff. Like, I just, you know, don't even know if they could get to a point where it's like, oh, you're mad because of this. 
I can see why like it doesn't even get to a point where they're discussing yeah. it. They're, so yeah. I understand family stuff is incredibly sensitive and sure. there's, I've gone to years of therapy. I've read dozens of books recommended by my therapist about this exact type of thing. And I'm not saying I know how to fix this problem, but um, maybe here's just one piece of advice that I think about all the time. And I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I would never say that this is a, a one uh, one thing fits all. I can't even phrase it correctly. <laughs> but um, this has been a, a very helpful uh, thing in my life that I've... Um, I've calmly looked someone in the eye and I understood, I listened to them. I took in what they were saying and then I would pause and say, um, Hey, don't be a dick. Has that, have you tried that with your father? Yes. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. I just wanted yeah. to say it's not necessarily going to help. It's helped me. It helps a lot. Yeah. Um, and and you can do the the slightly more forgiving version too, where it's like, "Hey, you're being a dick right now. Stop." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. So Rush Limbaugh dying was it wasn't him dying. It was him receiving the Medal of Honor or Medal of Freedom, whatever. Right. Um, I completely forgot that my like fifth grade social studies teacher on like day she didn't want to teach would like play the Rush Limbaugh syndicated TV show. Do you remember that? I, I, yes. Not yeah. my, not my junior high grade school experience, but that TV show. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you, did you have to watch that growing up? Uh, not that I remember. Okay. But I, the, the one thing that sticks out is I remember he had like, it was probably towards the end of the TV series because like my, my shady knowledge of the history is that he basically got two radio for TV yeah. in his niche, so yeah. to speak. Uh, and had like a TV episode about feminazis, yeah. which, you know, Rush listeners will know that that's an old trope. So really quick, uh, you, you were my house band. Do you still, I'm, please don't sing it or hum it if you remember it, but do you remember the, uh, the, the feminist theme song he would play? I, I remember that it existed. I couldn't hum it or sing it. That unfortunately has been an earworm for me for at this point, like 28 years. Oh shit. And I'm trying to get rid of it. And I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, yes, please continue about Rush and the impact uh, in your life. Um, well, it's been it's been very uh, honestly informative. Like I spent a few years working in Democratic and progressive politics in D.C. And I felt like I had a big advantage. Like I was in opposition research during the um the 2016 primary and I was meeting people who I guess you know grew up liberal left-leaning whatever yeah. and they were always so taken aback by things that conservatives would say like they were so surprised and shocked and I was like dude they've been saying this since I was like like I was the old guy in the room at that point at like you know 32 
And I was saying like, hey, like since I've been a kid, they've been saying this. None of this is new. What are you guys surprised about? Yeah, same. That uh, being said, yeah. do you feel, well, did, what did you, I still feel dumb for not expecting the outcome of 2016, even though I knew there was a 20 year radio campaign against the Clintons. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I felt like well, a fool. I mean, yeah, I was I was in Chinatown that night. Okay. Like surrounded by crying political operatives who were all just like how the fuck did we miss this? How the, like what in the hell just happened? It was a very and, much like, "Oh yeah, that's it. I forgot." <laughs> right. Right. Well, that was uh, you know, I feel like there were some people who had uh you know, kind of worked I don't want to say worked with Donald Trump, but had worked like campaigned against him or had been, you know, like some of the people at Media Matters have been sort of picking fights with him over birtherism, so to speak. Uh, and, you know, they were kind of like, yeah, they sued our boss for a couple million dollars. Like the, this dude's crazy. And also he doesn't give a shit. And also he's been on the news saying this for years. Yeah. And, also, Rush Limbaugh was saying it before he did. Yeah. But that makes me, in a weird way, hopeful because a cult of personality depends on the personality. And once that personality goes away, it's sort of over. Now, you could use those tactics again, but I don't... Yeah, really I think know. we have new personalities now. Yeah, but who's... Okay, so now we're doing the, like... I guess it's no different than what you guys do with skateboarding and what the music industry is like, all right, who could fill the arena? Who can get this many clicks right. on a video? I don't know who that is right now. Uh, I mean, I think until CPAC happened, Republicans thought it was going to still be Donald Trump. Sure. Um, you know, I probably until the January 6th happened, but you know, even since then, like, you know, I, you've got, uh, I think YouTube is probably the biggest challenge now. And it's not so much that there will be one Rush Limbaugh, but there will be, you know, dozens or hundreds of... But dozens and hundreds of fringe whatever is like dozens of uh, or thousands of like indie skaters and indie bands. Like unless you have a Tony Hawk, unless you have um, someone selling out Capital One Arena, it doesn't really matter. Hmm... In terms of like that scale, yes, you could get on local boards and yes, you could disrupt and blah, 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 of course. But in order to like really have any sort of say, could you even win a Senate race? I don't know. Probably. I, I think, yeah, I think you could win a Senate race. I, you know, I, I think that there, I've seen some analysis. It's basically expecting that like the Republican Party is going to turn into sort of like a a regional party like mm -hmm. there's not going to be a national competition really like that it's going to be they're going to be running in the mostly white districts that they are winning now but how is that trying. any different than the last like five years oh it's not any different from the past like 40 years so like once you again know, like they've well, the Democrats have started doing a similar thing, which is, you know, really about fucking time. But, you know, Republicans have been on this like 40 plus year campaign to reshape the judiciary. Yeah. You know, they've been doing, like you said, you know, you might be able to win some local board elections, whatever. They've been doing that 
for 40 years is winning all these local board elections, winning mayorships, winning state legislatures, so that when they can't compete on a national scale, you still have Mississippi and Texas deciding to lift coronavirus rules because well, they let's need a distraction. Screw from that. Their you live in Maryland. Company. We're recording this on sure. March 12th. I think today is the day where, like, all Maryland restrictions, according to your governor, have been lifted, but it's up to the certain counties. Is this how it works? Uh, counties and municipalities, yeah. So, so where Larry you are. Larry Hogan can go fuck himself. But So uh, is anything lifted as of right now for you guys? They are lifting some some dining restrictions, okay. but Brandon Scott's been pretty good. Uh, mayor of Baltimore for anyone who's not following Baltimore. And he's, is he younger than you? Politics. I know he's younger than uh, me. He is. Uh, I think he's my age. I think we're both 36. Does that make which, you feel anything? Yes. Yeah, I think it's fucking rad. Yeah, me like, too. <laughs> you know, he he came out to the skate park for a big uh, ceasefire event they hosted. Oh, that's great. Uh, oh, for last people summer. that don't know, why are you talking about the skate park so much? Oh, uh, I own a skateboard company. It's called Fair Game Skateboards. I've been skateboarding since I was about 15 years old, and I'm involved in the Baltimore Skate Park Association nonprofit so we helped do some programming and we did fundraising to help get the skate park in baltimore built we're actually getting a new one built uh on inner harbor the oh that's great coming down like right now literally like probably getting into town this weekend to start building so uh, could we talk about the skate park situation and your community involvement okay um what's the racial makeup of baltimore uh i couldn't give you percentages give me a, give me a guess it's a black city. Okay. It's a very what is black the majority city. race of the the skaters that you're part of? Not, not not part of the board, but like who shows up to the skate park? Everyone. Is so is it uh, a very, is it a coat of many colors? It is it is a Benetton yes, ad yeah. of skateboarding. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this seems like a great thing. It seems that yes. skateboarding's uh, racial disparities are have slowly been eroding over the last two decades. Now you've been involved. It's in, I'm the outsider. It's been quicker than that. It's been quicker. Okay. Quicker than that, uh, you know. It, when I was a kid, even like I, in Montana, I didn't know very many black kids who sure. skated. But there were only like three or four of us who skated anyway. Um, but you know, when I started coming out to DC, when I would go to like Seattle or Spokane, like there was, you know, even into the mid two thousands, you know, skateboarding was like a white boy sport. Yeah. Um, what about the gender? Like a, yeah, what about the gender uh, makeup of the scene? Now, gender is a real. It's a real weird one. It's really. It's great now, but really? it's kind of a strange thing because, uh, like, the first pro skateboarder ever was a woman. Really? Yeah. Um, shit. Now I'm an asshole because <laughs> I can't remember her name. But uh, she had a like a time magazine cover huh. doing like writing handstand on like, you know, one of those little, uh, you know, plywood or not plywood, but little like plastic a, boards. You know, thing. No, a little like plank board, like oh, okay. a little mini surfboard on like roller skate wheels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, you know, and she was, you know, amazing, but that was, you know, like the seventies when skateboarding was basically like rolling down a hill. Yeah. And, is it like 50-50 now? Is it 70-30 male-female? What is it looking like where you are? 
where I am, it's definitely nowhere close to 50-50. Okay. But um, when I was in high school, uh, you know, I guess as, as popular as skating was in like the the popular conscious MTV, whatever mm-hmm. bullshit, like it was not really seen as a cool thing. Hmm. And people didn't like come hang out at the skate park unless you were skating. Yeah. And now it seems a lot more like, uh, like you definitely didn't see if you saw a girl at the skate park or especially like out at a street spot, it was like, like it's kind of fucked up to, think in retrospect but the first thought was like oh who are you meeting here like who are you here with so the avril lavigne song was accurate the avril lavigne song felt accurate there were i mean we've had girl pros like i said going back to the 70s and they've been you know like some of my favorite skaters are Mm -hmm. women uh but it's been a it skateboarding was has just been a very strange little click for a long time um now in baltimore we saw a big thing so there was a big uh skater organized um protest in the wake of george floyd this summer Mm -hmm. and uh it was organized by a queer skate group which has been another big thing kind of in the past year or so he's kind of like you know basically a bunch of gay trans queer people all standing up and saying like, no, fuck you. Skateboarding is supposed to be for all of us. Like it's not, it's not no rules except these rules that we made up because we're in charge of shit. Fuck you. We're going to do what we want. I hope this isn't an inappropriate question. It might be, but isn't trans world a thing? Uh, so there was a magazine called trans world skateboarding. It was bought by the inquirer. Okay. Like in the past two years or so, it was part of that whole, like, merger and then dissolution of everything yeah uh they were um so yeah that magazine's not around anymore i'm assuming for a lot of people around our age that either skateboard or are familiar with skateboarding when they first heard the word trans it was it was related to skateboarding uh in skateboarding we refer to any kind of like a banked wall or a quarter pipe or anything as a transition yeah so from flat to vertical, transition, anything like that. Our shorthand term until, you know, the last year or so was tranny. Yeah. So now there's, I mean, I feel for some people because there's a lot of people that are like, oh yeah, bro, we're going to go skate some tranny today. And then someone's like, hey man, that's not cool to say. And this dude like doesn't get it. He's talking yeah. about some skate ramp. So have, but, are there new terms? Uh, just stick with transitions. Got it. So now you just, you you can't, I mean, you can, you could use whatever word you want, but if you're trying to not be a dick, maybe don't say yeah. something. Right. But there's not right. a new word for that. No. You just there's say the plenty form. of other okay. words. You can say transition or you can say the bank or the quarter pipe yeah. or whatever. It's, you know, there's, I find, have, have, um, the LGBTQ uh, T, uh, skate groups uh, movement, have they adopted any of that trans world art from the original run for the movement? No. Okay. No, not really. Uh, the only thing that I know of is uh, 
actually a, a friend of mine who was a trans activist tried to start a blog called trans world yeah and had to deal with the fact that there was a trans world snowboarding skateboarding motocross like a whole magazine brand. exactly <laughs> i thought that when i was a kid skate parks and and all those things were considered a bad idea for two reasons number one is they bring the bad element they bring the smoking the smokers and the drinkers and the drug abusers etc but also it's dangerous if you don't know what you're doing um yes so how is the helmet usage does anybody use knee pads is it becoming more family friendly these are serious questions because you know where i live there's a skate park not very far from me and mm-hmm. kids love just running up and down the stuff they love whenever the skateboarder oh, yeah. or rollerblader shows up and the i'd say like 90 percent of the time they're wearing a helmet yeah a and, lot of a lot of younger kids are wearing helmets more um there's uh a lot of the old you know the rules aren't the same anymore right so when i was a little kid i was scared to death of the skate park because people were dicks there yeah like if you were standing in the wrong spot you knew you knew real quick and if you didn't figure out how to get out of the way they would tell you to leave like get the fuck out of my park until you know how to ride in the park which obviously has its own you know there's like how do i know how to ride the park if you're kicking me out of the park yeah, yeah, yeah. but that was kind of like the environment a little bit you know sort of like oh if you're going to get in the pool you got to know how to swim oh you don't know how to swim they either toss you in or toss you out right yeah now it's a lot more basically a lot of people are it's it's kind of weird right because like i grew up with with those rules i grew up with the idea of like you know, you want some people in the park who are not assholes, but kind of a dick, right? You want someone to sort of regulate, keep keep people moving, make sure like no one's standing in the way. It's never like malicious. It's like, hey, man, don't stand here. We're skating this. Mm-hmm. Or when you're rolling across traffic, like look up yeah. because, yeah. I think I also had a bit of a different upbringing because there was so much BMX in Montana. Mm, and that's interesting. Let me tell you something is you do not want to get tangled up with a dude in a bike who's going 25 miles an hour. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's more of a safety and they're issue quiet. than anything else. Sure. Yeah, it's a it's a, a big part of it is a safety issue. And a big part of it is I'm going super fast to try this trick over this thing. If you don't understand like the flow of traffic in this park if you don't understand like how people skate these different things you know you might have a little kid standing at the top of a ramp next to the garbage can that you're trying to kickflip over yeah and you know the last thing you want is to be you know flying down a ramp or flying up a ramp and then all of a sudden there's a five-year-old who pops up you know no one wants to be that guy who just like killed the toddler (laughs) Um, therefore that, that leads to the question has, have they become safer over the last few years? Because like you said, like they're breaking ground right now in inner Harbor. And to me, I want a skate park in every neighborhood the same way. I think a marathon in every neighborhood just helps the neighborhood get cleaner and better and healthier in the exact same way a skate park does. Yeah. I would say like, uh, I mean, shit, when was the last time you saw anyone play tennis in public versus like, 
kids skating in the street. Like it should be like well, actually, be like every single day the... I see both. Oh well, you know where I live. Yeah, yeah. Well, up in Baltimore, no one <laughs> plays tennis on the tennis courts. There are places you can pay to go do that mm-hmm. in the privacy of wherever. So, um, but yeah, I'm like I'm of the opinion that you know any any time you're putting in a park. There's a playground, there's a basketball court, whatever, like skate park should be at least like on the list of amenities, right? Yeah. Like it should be a, a standard option. It, and there's all sorts of stuff that goes along with that, with like, you know, more skate parks getting built. It, I would say skateboard culture is changing for the better as a result, but there are a lot of things that a lot of people don't like about where skateboarding is going because of the proliferation of parks. Too many? Basically, they're, part of the argument is that, uh, let's see, so with the creation of parks, the popularization of, popularization of certain contests like the Street League series and you know, X Games have been around forever, so that's not like a new thing. But skate parks are now trying to build obstacles to match these contests. So it's becoming so, less of an art form and more of a sport? Yeah, a little like it's I I would never I don't think skateboarding like was never a sport. Like I think that's kind of a you know people like to put blinders on to the fact that, you know, they're saying like, Oh, skateboarding is like performance art. It's creative expression. Well, it is. Of... It's no different than surfing or figure skating, which are also sports. Right. It's right. Both. Or, uh, I would compare it to something like, uh, like ballet. Well, no, know, I'd dance. say ballet is more pure, uh, not sport because there aren't judging ballet competition. If you said gymnastics, I would agree. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Maybe not ballet, but like floor routine. Yeah. That's the definitely ribbon. gymnastics. I would yeah. agree with. Yeah. And and in the same way with gymnastics, there's you know points for style. Yeah. Points for picking the right music for your routine. Mm-hmm. Points for landing on the beat, like weird shit like that. Like that. That's a one to one with skateboarding. If I'm doing a skate video. I'm getting judged as much on like the shots, the editing, the music, the timing of the edit, how it all pieces together as a package, not just each individual trick. But Um, how do you, how how do you maintain those scores when there's new video footage? Like drones didn't really exist a decade ago, but I'm sure drones are used a lot in skate videos now. So like, what does that mean? Surprisingly, not that much. A couple of people have tried it and it just doesn't, like it's not exciting it's not exciting it sort of looks weird like hmm. there's been kind of a a thing with the switch from four four by three aspect ratio to a widescreen mm-hmm. where the fisheye lens doesn't have the same kind of effect got it it's like basically like if you look at a gopro or you know any fisheye wide angle you see a lot of foreground and background. Like if you're following along someone skating, you see a lot of where they're going and a lot of where they came from mm-hmm. with the cameras that back in the day, the cameras that we used to use, uh, it was, you didn't see all that foreground. The fisheye was steeper. You yeah. had that more like the, like a hype Williams music video, like mm-hmm. really steep fisheye, 
So one, it made people look like they were going way faster. If you got uh, certain tricks at certain angles, it would make them look super dramatic. And you didn't really know what they were going, what was coming next in the video. Cause you couldn't, you didn't see all this stuff. Hmm. But then with the wide angle fisheye, it feels slower because you see so much behind and in front of them. And if you try to get in closer for those like more dramatic fisheye angles, you end up like you can't get as much vertical in the frame. So you're sort of not forced to, but there's an aspect of following the technology along with the styles aspect of skateboarding. Yeah. Uh, Videography and photography in skating are, it's, it's a whole different um, vocabulary, even for videographers and photographers. uh, Yeah. There's sort of a, a famous story about, this guy, uh, Ryan G, who was a big skate photographer out of Philadelphia. And he had started taking some classes, you know, started getting some of those Transworld Skateboard Magazine paychecks. Yeah. And decided to take, you know, go get a degree in photography, like just go check the box so he can, you know, make more money as a photographer. And he was getting flunked left and right for these photos. And he's like, what do you mean this is the d minus photo with bad composition this was on a magazine cover like three months ago yeah i got paid like however much money for this but a non a skate not skateboarder photographer looking at it is like what am i even looking at here like you know the the framing's weird the lighting's like what are you even doing with the lighting like this is a terrible photo Mm -hmm. but in the context of skateboarding it's you know there's the the photo side of it, but then there's actually like what's being done in the photo matters almost as much. Somewhat related, but not really. Is there, I guess this will put a bow on everything. Is there like an alt-right skateboarding anything? Uh, we had a big controversy a few years ago because um, there was this guy, Jason Jesse, who was a big like 90s skater who it's kind of been an open secret and he's sort of has been kind of like, Oh no. Yeah. That kind of like eighties, like, Oh no, I'm just being edgy kind of thing. Yeah. It's motorcycle stuff. But like there was a documentary about him a few years ago and you know, it's like playing a game of count the swastikas. Oh Jesus. Uh, you know that it's a really like central California, like in the trees outside Santa Cruz type Nazism, but yeah, like <laughs> I like how you're familiar with all the regional Nazisms. Well, like I kept thinking about it, like as it was going on, I kept going back to the you know the one Blues Brothers line, but it's like you know instead it's like you know I hate Orange County Nazis, <laughs> I hate fucking Santa Cruz Nazis. But you know there was this kind of big uproar among skateboarders who were like, uh, yeah, the guy with the swastikas, you gotta you got to cut him dude. Like you can't be paying that guy, you know, and promoting his art and whatever, like this, that's fucked up. Uh, there've been a few, there was kind of some back and forth with it, but, uh, I think we've mostly kind of moved through it. Uh, independent trucks stopped using the iron cross as their logo. Wow. I had one of those as a teenager. (laughs) A lot of people did. I didn't realize until 
you know, quite a bit later, how many of them were probably rocking a giant sticker on their truck that said independent and had an iron cross. Yeah. I had for a reason had different than I would. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had a friend in high school, uh, who had one that said like built to grind had no idea it was about skateboarding. <laughs> oh, I knew it was about skateboarding. I skateboard. I just was horrible. Most people are. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the last question, do you think this, that skateboarding has helped you during the pandemic? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, shit, you could ask my wife, like I go insane if I don't skate, like it's, you know, uh, okay. I lied. Last actual question. When you travel and you know, you're going to skate, do you bring your own board or is it just cheaper to buy a board, like a cheap board wherever uh, you're going? It varies. Okay. Um, so usually, you're going usually to you're going to Boise board. in May, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you going to buy a board in Boise? Are you going to have a board shipped there? Are you going to Are you going to bring a Baltimore board to Boise? I'm going to bring a board. Okay. What What I'll do for that probably is uh, I'll set up a board, but not put the trucks mm-hmm. on it. So then I can sort of strap the deck to the outside of my backpack and it's part of my carry on got it and just put the trucks and wheels inside the bag and then when i get there you know, five minutes of tightening some bolts and i'm good to go you me them everybody is made by me brandon weatherby our theme music is by daniel knox our art is by jillian ron you can hear all 13 years of shows at you me them everybody.com if you're listening to this in spotify or on itunes the last year of episodes are available uh, with some sprinklings of the other ones. If you want the rest of the catalog, which features over 700 episodes, you meet them, everybody.com. Our Patreon page is on our about page. It's all there. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff at sign Y M T E. Thanks for listening. I'll hug the places that you've been sleeping. Friends and family. I'll be keeping.